0: Welcome to Trekcast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council here in Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today we're chatting with Dr. Bob Rose and Dr. Robin Porterfield of the Rose Porterfield Group. Bob and Robin are psychologists who have more than 30 years of consulting experience between them, assisting high-performing business leaders to help them improve and more importantly, maintain results. For the last five years, they've brought out the very best in Trek's Associate Leadership Council classes, and they joined us to talk about how to better handle criticism. Everybody gets it, everybody gives it, and Bob and Robin will help maximize what can be a very sensitive and emotionally charged interaction within the office environment. A quick reminder to subscribe to TrekCast if you haven't already. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. If you're an Apple user, please give us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. You can also follow Trek on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And now, here's Dr. Bob Rose and Dr. Robin Porterfield of the Rose Porterfield Group right here on TrekCast. For the last five years, the Rose Porterfield Group has provided individual leadership coaching with Trek's Associate Leadership Council classes. What was it you were looking to study? What kind of data did you gather? And what were some of your takeaways?
1: Yeah, it's been interesting because up until about five years ago, really, I had never worked with millennials. Bob had, had a little more experience with millennials, but the youngest executive I worked with was really 35 to 40, so it was a big difference for me. And I didn't really expect big differences. I mean, I didn't expect anything different, different as far as personality, but we did find oh, big yeah. differences in personality on a number of key areas. Yeah,
2: Sorry. we really did, and it was interesting because in many ways, uh, because these individuals were chosen based on their talent, So the people that we saw were very bright. They were very hardworking. A lot of the millennial stereotypes didn't hold at all. Uh, You know, the lazy, self-centered, all of those things didn't show up. What did show up were three or four big differences, but the one that struck us the most is reaction to criticism.
1: Yeah. And what, you know, obviously what we were trying to do is coach people, assess them and give them some coaching. And we found ourselves giving the same coaching just about everybody because there were so many consistent factors with millennials. One of them was this sensitivity to criticism. And it made me sad in a way because it as anxiety provoking as it is for the millennials to hear the criticism, it also made them anxious when they didn't get feedback. Okay. And so it was this, this weird double-edged sword that the people around them, the bosses, were trying to you know, be kind to them and not give them feedback, and that was making them just as anxious as if they got the negative feedback. And they didn't seem to have, my guess is because of life experience, didn't seem to have a grasp of the fact that everybody's going to make mistakes. There's, there's everybody does. There's no way you're gonna do everything right, you're not gonna please everybody. And that the most, the the best gift anybody can give you is good, honest feedback. So this is one of the big differences we saw.
0: What makes millennials outliers in that regard? Is that an age thing or? Well, uh, partly it's an age
2: thing, but partly it's beyond that because, put it this way, the 26-year-old that we dealt with 15 years ago is not the 26-year-old of today. That said, we really don't worry a whole lot about the causes because it could be helicopter pilots, it could be social media, there's endless speculation.
1: Parents. Well, we just We just work with pilots, that's why you said pilots. Parents. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, helicopter pilots that are parents.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, helicopter parents, but we don't care because we're applied psychologists. What we want to do is help people deal with things in the moment. I don't know what happened in your childhood or any of those other things.
0: What I know is what you've got today and how best to deal with what you've got today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Millennials who have entered the workforce in the last decade or so, myself being one of them, have had to endorse some relatively unique economic circumstances as the U.S. emerged from the Great Recession of the previous decade. Were there any external variables that factored into how millennials respond to criticism, any kind of economic anxiety or or anything of that nature?
2: Uh, No. Um, Well, I mean, let me back up. Yes, every generation faces a different set of challenges, and every group, uh, you know, has different things going on, different things happening with the economy. But what we find, and let's go to the extreme of the 53-year-old executive who's been around the block, um, she has found out that you cannot make straight A's in the free marketplace. Those people are remarkably resilient. So when the economy's down, they say, "Gee, the economy's down. Is there anything I can do about it? No. Well, let me move on." And as opposed to what we find all too often with the millennials, it's almost like they've become uh, involved in what we call magical thinking. I mean, you know, what what can I do to improve the economy so that I can get a job? Nothing. And that we have to roll with it. So, yeah, there are different factors for every generation. You know, for my generation, we were worried we were going to get blown up. <laughs> so, every every group has its. Yeah, challenges. really,
1: they were doing training on duck and cover, right? Yeah. And one and one thing that we have have found that I thought was interesting with millennials, and now, well, I don't know, probably, probably has been consistent throughout the years. The millennials even today who do deal with criticism better, there are a couple little factors that we have assessed. One is um, engaging in group sports in high school or college. And we even kind of talked to people about that, said what's that about? We had guesses and they said look, uh, if you're on a football team or a soccer team or whatever, you watch videotape of yourself making mistakes constantly, all game long. And you've got your entire group there pointing, that's where you did it, that's where you screwed up, that's, and your, your coach is telling you that. So I got real comfortable with that real early and realized that that's just something I did as opposed to me, and it was part of getting better. So, and also people, uh, and this may be a little bit different too, I think in years past, I didn't know anybody when i was a millennial that didn't work whether it was part-time or full-time or something they had some kind of job in babysitting whatever and sometimes we'll talk to millennials now that their first job uh out of college is literally their first job and so the millennials who have worked in high school i'm not trying to tell anybody how to raise their kids obviously but it's just something we've observed millennials who have worked in high school or worked in college know did something where they had to show up on time got paid got criticized or were part of group sports tend to have a little different perspective seem to be a little bit better about this criticism factor
2: yeah when we uh, when we talk to clients that say you know my kids going to be doing an internship this summer we'll say why, why don't you have her do door-to-door sales instead get her used to the idea in of restaurant. having a door working roof
0: yeah. yeah yeah, in a yeah. And
1: I do think that plays a role when well, I mean, we found it's played, it's played a role
0: So that said, what advice do you tend to give people who manage millennials?
2: Well, one thing that we uh, give them advice about is you just need to understand that the sensitivity that you had when you were 28 years old, even though it's greater than it is today, is not as great as the person that you're criticizing now. That said, yes it's good to be supportive it's good to be concrete it's good to give suggestions and make it a learning experience but don't back away from it because that will be the tendency when people either tear up or get angry or become defensive it's all the same emotion and it's going to be there anytime you give criticism so just blow past that and go ahead and try to do the best job you can and
1: don't make a joke of it the other thing that we find commonly because it's 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 as difficult to give as it is to get in many cases, that people will make a joke of it or make a light of it or try to downplay it. And I get where that's coming from, but if somebody's emotional and having a tough time, doing that is almost insulting. It almost comes across as dismissive right. or, or insulting to the person. So, right. yes, I mean, just blow through that emotion if you can, keep moving forward, because again, that's the kindest thing you can do for somebody.
0: Is the best means of dealing with that then just to leave that person be and walk away until they've cooled off? No.
1: Yeah, that's not my. That's I, I think that's absolutely the, the worst thing. I mean, clearly, if somebody's having an absolute meltdown, yes, you know, give them a moment to to gather themselves. But for the but for the most part, I would say, blow through the emotion if it's you know act as if it's not there just keep going because uh, most of the time when you do that people will calm down and come back to center it's when you make a big deal of it oh my gosh I see that you're emotional we'll we'll talk about this later that kind of makes people feel a little more self-centered or excuse me a little more self self um, a little more nervous a little more anxious and it kind of ruins that whole um, it ruins the whole scene so just keep moving forward just keep just keep trying.
2: I've been on the receiving end of criticism, needless to say, and and I do I do show anger when I'm being criticized. And uh, people will say, well, I'll, we'll talk to you about this when you're not so angry, Bob. I'm like, when's that going to be? Yeah, really. You Makes know? you more self-conscious. Now, I'm going to get mad again. That's
1: right. <laughs> That's right. Tomorrow, I'm still going to be mad about it.
0: If an employee knows that he or she is prone to getting emotional when they receive criticism, would you advise they take the initiative and actively seek that kind of feedback? Does that work in ultimately lessening the blow of a potentially negative piece of criticism? What we have seen people do is say, I really
2: need your feedback on this. By the way, I'm going to get emotional, but I don't want you to shut down. I still need I still need your feedback. You know... I'm, We'll tell that to clients, sometimes we'll say, we need to know how you think that we're doing on this project, but by the way, when you start telling me, if you don't tell me it's, everything's wonderful, I'm gonna get red. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't mean I, I don't want that.
1: Well, it's good in another way too, because as as with anything that is uncomfortable for us, getting on the other side of it is the, the important thing. So if you, can, if you can ask for feedback and get it and get on the other side of it and realize it's not the end of the world, that it doesn't mean you're a bad person or that your boss is going to fire you, the more often you can do that, it does become more comfortable. So, and again, we keep seeing, what we keep hearing over and over and over is, um, millennials will say, my boss will not give me feedback, or once a year, I'll get a, just a quick review. And what I really would like, and they probably want it a little too much, but what they really want is consistent feedback when I'm doing well and when I'm not doing well. And that seems to be kind of a missing component. And we think, I mean, our, our guess is, from talking to people, is that people don't want to hurt their feelings. So it's this, it's this weird back and forth that doesn't serve anybody, really. But that was a, that's a good question.
0: Are people then best equipped to handle criticism when it is valid and constructive and given in a more supportive
1: way? Now that would be ideal. If that always happened. I would love that. But unfortunately, what tends to happen is it's not very well well thought out. It's not planned. Sometimes it's given in public. It's not given in private. So you know, it's it's never perfect. You're not going to get that. You you have to bring it up. And even if it's not good timing, you're going to have to do it. But um, and even sometimes people will. I was trying to think of some of the different situations we're into people have to like work up a mad and have to get angry not in order to do it and
2: right for yeah. Those, yeah for those of you not from Texas work up a mad means I have to get angry in order to do something and a lot, a lot of times people have to do that uh, to criticize so if you wait for valid and constructive criticism you're going to wait a long time and
1: I don't and I would suggest too, don't wait until if you're the boss don't wait until it's a 10 on a 10 point scale wait do it when it's a three because the 10 is going to feel a whole lot different than if it's a minor issue. So don't wait until you're angry to give the feedback. Do it when it's most helpful to the other person. It can go the best when it's a, a two or a three, when it's a minor issue.
0: How would you advise a young professional to seek out criticism, good or bad, from a manager who may be constantly busy and may not necessarily have the time or capacity within their schedule to have a weekly chat with, with everyone they manage?
1: Well, one thing that strikes me is, it probably would be helpful if your boss were to say, look, I'm not gonna give you feedback unless there's something that I'm unhappy with. And understand, I will give you feedback if, if you're not doing what I'd like you to do. And I accept, Because again, I think, if we talk about just the anxiety piece, it's the not knowing. And if I'm at all concerned my boss is not giving me feedback when I need it, that's even more nerve-wracking. So. If if your boss were to come to you and say, unless you hear otherwise, you're doing great, I think that would be helpful, one piece. The second thing that I would suggest is uh, I get it, you don't want to do a formal, let me sit down for an hour. What I used to do anyway, that I thought worked well, I, I thought it worked well, is if I had a project going and I, you know, thought I had the right direction going, and I thought I was doing things well, is I'd pop in and say, look, here's what I'm thinking. Do you have any suggestions or does that sound okay with you? So it was a little bit of feedback on the fly about major projects or things that I just felt a little insecure about, but it wasn't a big deal. So I was able to get feedback. And interestingly, when I would pop in, I would get positive feedback too, not just know you're wrong there. I want you to go a different direction. It would be, you know what, it sounds great. It would also allow my boss to say, Robin's got this. I feel good about, I will give her more because her thinking is square, she thinks you know, logically, she thinks like I would, she's approaching it the same way I would, I don't see any flaws here, I'm, I trust her more. So it doesn't have to be a major sit down, but I think if you can do it just a, you know, on the fly as you're going, I think that's another way to get it the same, I think. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah.
2: And you know, uh, to help understand a little bit where that comes from, 20, 25 years ago, uh, one aspect of management training was managed by exception. That you, oh, yeah, the, that's right. you the boss, are not supposed to be that's involved right. in anything unless you see something that needs to be corrected. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who had that, that training uh, will, in, in fact, we've even had people that will tell their subordinates, if I don't tell you anything, that's good news. Because believe me, when you mess up, I'm going to let you know about it. So now that but, doesn't. But that's mean, the
1: key. You got to tell them. You got to right. remind them. I will tell you if you're not if you're yeah. not on target.
2: So management by exception may not be a good practice, but that's where that comes from for many people.
0: What are some of the tools that millennials can use to be more even-keeled, to be more objective when they are receiving criticism, whether it's given well or in public or private or, or what have you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think the most important thing to remember is that everybody's going to get criticized. We've literally dealt with. I don't know, thousands, thousands, thousands. and thousands of, of executives. Everyone is going to fail. Everyone is going to have errors. In fact, it's a question that we often ask in assessment. What was your worst failure? Right. And people will say, you're talking about, you know, people who've been around the block will say, talking about this week, this month, this year. So it's going to happen. So if you can get in a mindset of thinking that this is just part of the process as opposed to an overarching statement about my self-worth, I think that's one big tip. Now, easier said than done. Secondly, I would say don't be defensive. Um, again, remember that it's good for you to get this, so listen. Don't immediately try to think of the thing you're going to say your say back or how you're going to defend yourself. Be in the I moment. Know. Really listen. I would say say thank you. That would be the first, the first recommendation I would have. Really, is to say thanks for your input. I appreciate it. Doesn't mean you agree. You're processing, but. It, it allows the other person the comfort to be able to, to keep talking. And so I think that's a really, good, a really good tip. The other thing that I would say that I think has worked really well for us in recommending this to people is if you can view it as a problem to solve. So it's not about me, it's not about you, it's something that's happened, it's something I've done. We even suggest that people sit on the same side of the desk, instead of that cross the desk, you know, us against them, get on the same side. If you've got something concrete, you can put in the middle of the table, look at it as a problem. You know, we're both oriented towards solving the same issue. It changes the entire dynamic and it takes it out of being about you and puts it more in, in, the, in the center of both of you, in front of both of you. I think those are yeah. else and, that you And even of? if
2: you can't do that literally, right. you can at least mentally think about it that this is a problem that we're solving. It's not about me
1: and then another thing I would suggest is once you take in the feedback so you've you know you've heard it uh, you don't have to do it in the moment you know you can say hey thank you let me process this if you're really emotional just feel like you can't have the conversation that's perfectly fine but at some point analyze what you've heard you know shift out that what you think is valid what you think isn't valid and um, you know, spend a little time thinking about, you know, is it warranted? Is this good information for me? And sift out the part that isn't useful, process the stuff that is useful, but make it a process, make it a logical problem solving process.
2: And you'll be left with something. Even if, uh, even if 90% of the criticism was invalid, you'll be left with 10% that is.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's up to you, the recipient, to process that information.
1: I think the responsibility lies more right on the recipient so and that's and that's how you develop what's been really wonderful about the Trek alc group is that because they're so high performing they really want to develop so you know again when we coach them you really want this feedback this is the best way for you to get better that really resonates with them but i would say that for anybody i think that's valid how else do you find out how you can get better how other people view you but to get feedback from those people and it I wish we could get more feedback, frankly, from clients at times. You know, we don't right. we don't always get it. So, right. and one more thing I would say too about the bosses, what tends to happen and what we've heard over and over with these millennials is, look, my boss will tell me, uh, just keep doing what you're doing, or something real, real vague, or or alternatively, your work is not up to snuff, or something kind of vague. And that's fine, but it, it causes people a lot of, um, you know, a lot of concern because what do I do with that? So for the boss, I'd say this is feedback for both, both sides. If you can get concrete, it's fine to say the work product isn't great, tell me exactly what you mean by that. Because I have to have something that I can use to change my behavior. So if somebody has not been very concrete with you, force them to be concrete, and for the bosses, make sure you give them something material and something that they can actually work on. One of the
2: reasons that we're so excited about this is early on we uh, asked ourselves the question because we're always questioning what we do and we said perhaps there's something unique to ALC. So we started conversing with other professionals most of whom had not, not dealt with as many millennials as we had, but we talked to a lot of different people about the experience that they had, specifically with high-performing millennials. And they all came back with the same thing, that the biggest difference that we see is that it is so hard to criticize them without having a, an emotional reaction or a shutdown. So this is information that I think is gonna be useful to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, so the bottom line is it's useful um you know make sure you listen take it in do the best you can if you're emotional just try to blow past it the the bottom line is this has to happen i mean it's important to business it's important to individuals so it's you know it's something that you have to work through
0: robin bob thanks so much for your time today
1: yeah we loved being here
0: i loved it yeah it was really enjoyable. thank you for having us do, do, I, do I get to sing now
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Big thanks to Dr. Bob Rose and Dr. Robin Porterfield of the Rose Porterfield Group. Remember to subscribe to TrekCast wherever you get your podcasts and follow Trek on social media. Once again, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.